Autism is one of the fastest growing developmental disabilities. Families and caregivers of those with autism would know the challenge well. As a carer, how do you know when more support's required? How do you find the right resources? And how do you effectively communicate with the other stakeholders in a care team? Well, today I'm joined by Jim Tafour from Autism Technologies, and we're going to explore these issues as well as more deeply the prevalence of autism and the challenges of being a caregiver and how might measurement-based care ease the process of caregiving and help increase the health and wellness for individuals with autism. Collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it happen. Welcome to Talking Health Tech with Peter Birch, a podcast featuring conversations with key players and influencers to promote innovation and collaboration for better healthcare enabled by technology. With me today is Jim Tafour. He's got over a decade of experience in research and development environments, particularly focused on digital health solutions, which leverage high-performance cloud computing, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and workflow automation to increase quality of care, reduce the cost of care, and improve outcomes for complex conditions such as opioid use disorder, high-risk pregnancies, and autism. Hey, Jim, how are you going? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Pete. How are you today? Really good. Thank you for making the time on your weekend too and coming on the show because it's a topic that we've not covered in depth or at all, actually. I don't think autism on the podcast, but a really important one. So firstly, to give a bit more context about you, tell us about you and, and your background. Yeah, thanks, Pete. So my career started about 20 years ago as a software engineer. About a decade into it, I evolved into managing enterprise software development systems really data-driven systems um, using artificial intelligence and machine learning before they were buzzwords to really, you know, analyze risk and streamline processes around management and, and operations. I started in the finance world and then moved into digital health about a decade ago. Over the last 10 years, like you mentioned, I've worked on solutions supporting opioid use disorder, general behavioral health, therapeutic platforms, prenatal and postpartum care, and then most recently with autism and related developmental disorders. Worked with an array of different hospital systems, research departments, private practices, government and commercial health insurance providers, all the way through to the National Science Foundation. So I've been pretty versed in the digital health space, um, worked with a lot of startups. So taking innovation from concept and delivering it to market, evolving and maturing it based on feedback, and really being able to drive solutions that solve real-world problems. Yeah, yeah. And so you're in the U.S.? That's correct. I'm based out of uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. But over the last decade of uh, that experience, I've lived in five different states. So again, as I've been working with different startups, you know, going through the acquisition process and then helping develop in-house teams, I've moved around quite a bit. So I've been able to uh, expand my network quite well and, and, and meet some incredible people. Excellent. And so in this episode, we're focusing particularly on autism. Tell us a bit about the prevalence of autism. Sure. Yeah, no. So um, it's an interesting topic. Now, the CDC just last month released the new prevalence numbers for autism, which is now one in 44 children in the United States. Global prevalence is about 1% of the world population. And so, as you also mentioned, it is the fastest growing developmental disability. The services around autism cost on average annually for U.S. patients about $260 billion dollars. 
um, and is estimated to grow to about 461 billion by 2025 because of this generational shift where the cost of services for adults obviously is much more expensive than for pediatrics. And so as prevalence has increased from one in 500 in 1999 to one in 44 today, that's an enormous growth and it's stressing the resources availability, cost of services going up, access to services decreasing, and a lot of challenges are, are stemming from that. Mm-hmm. And tell us a bit more then about, you know, the needs and what's driving those costs. Like what does someone with autism need? You know, that's another great question. And so I'll kind of relate this back to my personal story and kind of how this evolved. Mm. In 2017, my son was diagnosed with autism. My son is the fourth child. Uh, I have three girls before him. And so we could see issues in the developmental trajectory early. And, and we, being part of the clinical research environment and working in digital health, we knew how to research. And it wasn't a shock to us when my son's diagnosis for autism was delivered to us. What was a shock to us was that I was in Washington at the time and I was working with a really good research department and my son was participating in their autism research study. And so at that time we were getting his diagnosis. I was sure that it was going to be an autism diagnosis, but what I was hoping for was that because we were part of this research study that had experts from all over the world participating, that we would get good insight on next steps on how to identify his needs, how to best care for him. And that's where the shock came was once we were handed this diagnosis, we were really just handed a 100-page pamphlet that seemed pretty boilerplate for my son who was diagnosed at a level three severity, which is the highest. Really, the only guidance we received was that there's going to be a low expectation for change in severity over his lifetime and that we should prepare our finances for a future when we're no longer around and to begin early intervention for therapy, right? And so It was very broad, generic, you know, not a lot of guidance as who are the right resources or their specific needs that he has that, you know, we can narrow the focus and get to the right people quicker. So that started the challenges. Um, We started from identifying needs to finding the right services to once you identify the right service providers, how do you maintain adherence to these complex care protocols that they're going to provide? Then an average care team for an individual with autism is anywhere between five to 10 different service providers. So how do you coordinate care across this multidisciplinary team? And so these are challenges that we face with other complex conditions that I was versed in developing technology solutions to solve for. And so as I firsthand started to feel these challenges, I looked to technology to help drive information for us to better deliver care. There's an interesting NIH study that came out that talks about, I think they surveyed about 18,000 parents of children with autism. And what they uncovered was that difficulty using services, lack of coordination, and financial burden were the top three challenges that parents incur caring for a child with autism. And so it's interesting because what you would anticipate as access to service being a problem wasn't necessarily what you would think, right? Access to service in many cases makes you think of, I can't find the right service professional, when in fact, access to service was really geared around difficulty using services. So again, you get this complex care plan, you may have 10 medications and a handful of supplements and six therapies that you need to do in certain sequence and at certain frequencies. And it's very difficult to maintain adherence to that, to see the value of that protocol. And so that's where, you know, the inception of Astro360 comes from. Yeah. The fact that there could be multiple carers, you know, different providers, sometimes five or 10, for someone who's not familiar with caring for someone with autism, it could be both 
medication and therapy. So it sounds like there's a mix of providers that you could be seeing when it's certainly not just, you know, managing it with one provider. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. There's a common care team for an individual with autism is going, I'll just give an example with my sons. We've got his general pediatrician. We have a developmental pediatrician. We have a naturopathic doctor. We have a functional medicine doctor. We have a speech therapist, an occupational therapist, Mm -hmm. physical therapist, an ABA therapist, right? And so they're all pushing the ball forward on helping my son achieve certain skills and levels of independence and a level of health and wellness from, you know, an array of different conditions. But this is a common care team for a family living with autism spectrum disorder. And so as you can imagine, managing things just as simple as appointments or medications or therapies, that's complex enough. But when you then have to combine goals and look at this as a holistic care plan, it gets very difficult to maintain tracking all of these things, understanding what's working. These families don't have endless resources, right? And all of this costs money as well. And so to sustain that much services, it's pretty difficult, right? And so what ultimately ends up happening is you get this financial burden because the average cost of care is about $60,000 a year for a child with autism. On top of all the time it takes you to execute that care, an example is, you know, your cost of living goes up 60000 your ability to generate income goes down because that time that you would be applying to work, you're now going to appointments, going to therapy, driving medications. You know, so you lose income and your cost of living goes up. And so many families incur that financial burden. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not just a point around the healthcare system and what's funded and what's not. That's certainly one aspect of it, but it's the impact to the one earning the money, the caregivers, the ability to look after a family generally, all of that pressure is increased. So yeah, there's a lot of moving parts there. And then come to the technology solution that you've been working on. Tell us a bit more about Astrid 360 and what that is. Yeah, absolutely. So Astrid is a digital care management platform that we've developed to really revolutionize the experience of caregiving. We've done that by creating a consumer-first data-driven care management platform that's personalized and empowering. The solution provides access to experienced specialists. It makes personalized, actionable recommendations to make caregiving easier for parents and care teams. And so this holistic view of being able to first identify needs, then identify the right service providers, be able to execute the care protocols that they're providing to you, monitor that those care plans and hold them accountable to the goals that they're attempting to reach in order to be able to fund these activities and be able to reach these goals. What we've set out to do is help parents get a better understanding of autism, set goals and have the best chance of reaching them, as well as streamlining the communication across those multidisciplinary distributed care teams. Very cool. And so one thing I've found with platforms that look to bring together a multidisciplinary team, because it's certainly a problem that needs to be solved. And, you know, you've seen it firsthand from your own experiences. One of the challenges in doing that is the fact you've got to deal with multiple providers. Sometimes that requires multiple providers then engaging with this, you know, one piece of technology. I've seen others where they've done more of a focus on their care provider. So then it's more on the caregiver in managing all of that. How do you deal with the whole different stakeholders and connecting them with your platform, which is the problem that you're coming out to solve? 
Yeah, no, that's a common problem, right? Because every different service provider is going to have potentially their own digital health technology that they're using to manage care. They're going to have their own electronic health record system, which is really the source of truth for their record, right? And so Astrid as a platform is built as an appliance to existing health systems. And so we've done a lot of work in interoperability and making it easy to integrate your existing health system into our solution the solution itself is mostly driven by the parent or caregiver. And really what that's doing is feeding behavioral data back into our algorithms to make these personalized recommendations. Then it's charting care over time and tracking it to identify when achievements have been reached or when there's potential new concern to address. It can then push that information back into existing health systems to make notifications wherever a, you know, a third-party service provider may be living to manage their panel of patients. And so we see an array of it, right? It's really going to depend on the size of the organization that you're dealing with. We have a multidisciplinary center in Alabama that drives out of their existing health systems and we integrate into that, whereas we have another autism center in Henderson, Nevada that uses our platform holistically, right? They don't even have an internal EHR and so they kind of use us end-to-end as their main source of record. So we've seen it in all ways, but we've really tried to present the solution as a modular appliance to make it really easy to kind of fit it into wherever it needs to be in an existing workflow. Yeah. No, that sounds really important. And it's great you've done that. Thinking in terms of the workflow and how it fits into the broader life cycle for a patient and those providers. And you touched on this a little bit too. It sounds like they're much more than just a planner of when your next appointment is and all of the logistics, but also it sounds like then some of the progress for the patient is also captured within the platform too. How does that help the caregiver in terms of managing the patient on a day-to-day? So the different features right outside of care planning and management is really the core of it is our algorithms, which drive personal recommendations based on behavioral data that is input into the platform through a series of assessments and different automated workflows. And so that data is then assessed on different frequencies and information and recommendations are provided back out to parents and care teams, depending on uh, the assessment and what type of data it is. So the remote behavioral monitoring capabilities allow for us to acquire that data from manual entry to uh, third-party integrations into biometric data, gaming systems, an array of different ways that we can pull in objective and subjective data to process our calculations. The output of those calculations are actionable recommendations on something that a parent can do today to really increase the health and wellness of an individual One of the things that's very unique about the Astrid platform is our approach at looking at behavior and making a connection to potential comorbid conditions, which may be causing these behaviors or amplifying these behaviors. Traditionally, autism is looked at as the expression of manifested behavior. And there's today little correlation to that behavior to root cause in terms of something treatable that you could do to limit or reduce that behavior. And so we've worked with an array of different doctors, therapists, nutritionists, parents, and we've developed this algorithm that allows a parent to check the box on an array of different behaviors. And then we can pinpoint different biological systems and potential comorbid conditions that then present the need to run diagnostic testing and get a better look inside to determine is there something creating this behavior that we can treat? The idea today is that autism is not treatable. There is no cure. We don't understand where it comes from. 
I believe it's uh, old science. If you look at what the science is telling us today about autism, recent studies from credible research departments like John Hopkins, Boston's Children's Hospital, Yale, Stanford, Harvard, you name it, are all making the connection between autism and our different biological systems, such as the gut, metabolism, our nervous system, mitochondrial detox pathways. And so there's a lot of well-studied treatable conditions that reside in each one of these biological systems. And so when you approach autism in a way where you can connect the dots between an individual's autistic behavior and potentially treatable conditions, you really position yourself quite a bit with more options to reduce or eliminate those autistic behaviors. That's one of the key differentiations between what we do and how traditional therapeutic platforms for autism interact with caregivers. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like then, given that you've got so many different care providers focusing in particular areas to do their part for a patient, there's that need for all of that data to come together, not just with a clinician to look at and then make next steps, but utilizing some of those tools like artificial intelligence and what we know already and just providing that extra perspective to give more insights, right, in in an area and in a topic that it sounds like caregivers are looking for more and more guidance on. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the biggest problems that I witnessed was that there's no real good place to get this information. There's no application. There's no process. You know, on diagnosis, there's no literature telling you that there are potential comorbid conditions that could be creating these behaviors that are treatable. And if you can identify those quickly and begin to present interventions against those treatable conditions, you can reduce these behaviors substantially. And so here's a great example of that. My son, when he was diagnosed in December 2017, was a 138 on a 179 point severity scale for autism. So there's an array of different assessments that measure the severity of autism, but this one in particular called the ATEC assessment. My son was in the 70th percentile of severity upon his diagnosis. After employing this methodology of being able to identify potential comorbid conditions, treat those, track them using measurement-based care, we've been able to reduce that same ATEC assessment today down to a 38. Now he lives in the 20th percentile of severity, which was a 50% decrease. Every case is different, right? But we've been able to replicate a substantial decrease in this ATEC assessment using this measurement-based care process. And so You know, when you look at the cost of lifelong care at $60,000 a year as a potential for an individual, which increases as they grow older, it's in everybody's best interest, obviously, to try to identify this as fast as possible and get ahead of it, right? And so our algorithm presents, you know, takes a parent through a 10 to 15 minute process, which can return that information immediately to them. So it's not this process of having to drive data into a system for three months to get a breadcrumb and then drive three more months worth of data to continue to try to find another breadcrumb. This is you know, a 10 to 15 minute process that gives you actionable information immediately that you can then use to look at autism in the realm of potential comorbid conditions that are treatable. And it provides a, a good segue for increasing positive outcomes. Yeah. Oh, what a great example. And lastly then thinking, Jim, for you and Astrid and everything that you're working on, what does 2022 look like? What can we look forward to seeing from you in the future? 
Thanks for asking that. Uh, 2022, we're really excited about. We've um, got about 1,500 families in 10 different countries that have been using this solution over the last four years. And we've matured it and we've listened and we've taken our time to really make sure that we're providing a valuable solution that really helps parents reach goals faster. We've reached the point where we believe we have that and we're excited to get it out to market at a global scale and get it in the hands of families that it can really help. And so this year, we're excited to really put the pedal to the floor and do that. And on top of that, one of the things that I'm really excited about is a model where we're, for every paid license that we obtain, we are giving a license to a family in need. And so one of the things I've been very passionate about is being able to help families, even if they are going through financial hardship, as we know that that is one of the top three challenges that families will encounter. And so we've put a program in place to really try to leave no no family behind and we're excited to push that forward. Such a great thing to do and coming from the right place and you know you're solving problems that you're facing on a day to day too. So I wish you and your family all the best and all the best for Astrid moving into 2022 and beyond. Jim, thank you so much for your time. Likewise, Peter. Thank you very much and look forward to talking again. Thanks for listening to the show. Check out talkinghealthtech.com to connect with other people in our community and to learn more about the Australian health tech industry. Also, make sure you hit subscribe on your favourite podcast player so you don't miss an episode and share this episode with a few people who need to hear it. Now go make it happen. <laughs>